Welcome back to Firm Foundation Podcast. We're excited to have you with us on this Friday. Uh, today's topic today's topic is going to be reconciliation. Uh, it's 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 a bit of a heavy one. Anyone who has been hurt in the church knows that it is not easy to just repair these old wounds. Uh, but before we really get into our topic, we wanted to, to keep it light. And so, Jeffrey, you have a question for me? I do. Um, this is this is a very deep theological question for you, Josh. Okay. Would you rather fill your birthright for some stew or be so hairy that your blind father confuses your brother for you because he wears animal belts? You're going to make a joke about my hairy arms right now? No. I have my hands up for everyone listening at home. I am about as salty as this dude would be right now. If you want to know how I feel about it. <clears throat> the people need to know. Which half of Esau are you? Or, sorry, would you be? What kind of stew is it and how much stew? I mean... Well, there's definitely no bacon in it. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm already hairy. I it's just, I mean, I, I guess I should just lean into what I've already got. Malachi, get some pelts. And with that, we are back with reconciliation, which is fitting. Our last topic, for those of you who did not listen, um, it's still up, so you can listen if you like. But if you do not like, it was on unqualified leaders. So now the natural question being, do you find yourself looking up to or being involved in a ministry or church that had a leader that is now unqualified themselves? What do we do? And how do we reconcile inside the church? Absolutely, because this isn't just about uh, scandals. I mean, when when we are personally hurt, you know, I, I mean, we were talking about that in our last episode. Not just these big scandals, but even uh, a pastor who's quarrelsome. Mm -hmm. Someone who starts fights, who, who isn't... Uh, Showing the fruit of the spirit that that uh, patience, kindness, and gentleness, you know, uh, that can lead to serious division. So, how does that begin to heal? Yeah, and um, before we dive too much into it, we always like to kind of just have a a base. And really, the important part is with reconciliation with leaders in general, with all of our brothers and sisters in the church. Um, people aren't perfect. We're people. So, yes, we hold them to Scripture. We hold them accountable, like we talked about a lot last episode. Um, but they're going to fail. And um, we just have to move forward expecting that we will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, but also that we're going to fail. So this is this from Ephesians chapter 4, this is verse 32. It says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So, yes, let's hold people accountable. But let's be kind while doing so. Let's be tenderhearted and let's forgive one another because we've already been forgiven more than the slights we may have received ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, do you have Second Corinthians up there? I do not, but I could grab it. I've got it. I've got it right here. It's all good. I just want to check. Um, so I, I want to start with our grand example of what reconciliation is. That sounds fitting. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, Paul is writing this letter to a church that has been through some stuff. Yeah. They have, how do I say they're terrible? They're terrible. Okay. I do recommend everyone goes home and reads First and Second Californians, though. 
Um, so Paul, he wrote his first letter, and it's a whole lot of rebuke, a little bit of, you know, this is who God has made you to be. This is your identity. This is why you need to live this way. But but you, you stop with the with the, all the sexual sin and other stuff. Stop being drunk at communion because it's supposed to be all of you communing, you know. And so they start to make some changes, but then they kind of go back on it. Paul goes and makes a visit and just lays it all out. And is like, guys, stop. And so this next letter, um, the people in Corinth have started to realize, oh, you know what? I think we messed up. There may have been something to that. And so Paul writes this amazing chapter uh, about, listen, I am for you guys. I'm not against you. I'm not looking to tear you down. I want to reconcile this relationship. And he says uh, in chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone was is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, making his appeal, uh, making his appeal through us. God making his appeal through us, sorry. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here we have, um, you know, one of the most important basic verses for understanding uh, atonement in all of the New Testament. But what the context, Paul is reconciling, repairing a relationship. And he says, the reason I want to repair this relationship is because God has already done it for me. And now part of my responsibility as his ambassador is to reconcile these relationships. And then as ambassadors, all of us together, showing the world that they can be reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have God reconciling. We have Paul reconciling to other believers. And now their mission, helping the world reconcile to God. Yeah. And um, with this idea of reconciliation, we touched on this again with our leaders episode, but it's very important that. We realize that the church is not just those in authority over us doing things and we show up on Sunday and listen. There is precedent for us to hold them accountable, us to hold ourselves accountable. And um, this is from Matthew chapter 18. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So, when we are personally wronged, whatever it might be, um, there's a wide range of things that we could point out in particular, but just a broad scope, when we are wronged, we are allowed to and instructed to, I, you could argue, uh, to go to that person. We shouldn't just let things fester and then get to the point where, oh, this person never apologized for that, therefore I'm going to separate and go to a different church. Because there is the possibility that we as fallen people might not have known we wronged that person. Now, I, I think it's important that we put our special disclaimer now. When, the, when we're talking about instances where the law 
has been broken mm-hmm. and set of circumstances. Yep. There still needs to be some sort of reconciliation, but that doesn't always mean uh, restoration to the way things were before. Um, so, so this is talking about very, very specifically things that are not breaking the law, but are offending each other, uh, hurting each other uh, in, in more spiritual and emotional ways. Yep, absolutely. And um, if you do happen to be involved in a situation that there is actual crime being committed, it's not wrong to tell your leadership, but there are also civil authorities that we are subjected under to that do this kind of thing and have actual legal recourse to handle these actions. It doesn't have to be a, a whatever happens to me in life, I'm going to tell the elders if they do nothing about it, clearly it wasn't a big deal. That's not at all. Right. We talked about <laughs> elders, leaders do not always get it right. So um, all of that said, you know, in these situations, uh, Jeffrey making fun of my hairy arms, not cool, bro. It was but you know what? I'm just going to let that fester and be frustrated and angry for a long time. And, this and will eventually, be yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to leave this church and, and never deal with it because he was rude. Man, that worship pastor there is rude. Worst. Terrible guy. Terrible, terrible guy. Um, no. Stupid. I mean, really. Obviously, I'm using a stupid example, but but there are times when... Jeffrey, could you not make fun of my hairy arms, please? Sure. It kind of offended me. We'll re-record this one, everyone. <laughs> or, or he could say sorry. I could. Sorry is a good word to use in these situations when you're on the receiving end. And I, I will use Just a little little pro tip. I will use the modern way to get out of this. I'm sorry you were offended by that. Just to be real clear, that is not yeah. an apology. You'll, you'll hear that a lot, particularly from people in any sort of position of power. I'm sorry you were offended. That's not an apology. No. That's just making things worse. <laughs> but as we continue on... Um, Another thing that's really important that pairs again with our unqualified leaders, these are very tied into each other because sometimes abuse can happen just by a byproduct of having an unqualified leader, whether you know that person's unqualified or not. Right. Um, and it is very difficult in a strange situation and even a hard decision to cast out leadership. But if that leader is blatantly going against God's word, and is unyielding to correction, just as Matthew 18 said, make a deal about it to go to those who hold this person accountable, regardless of what your church governance looks like. And if no one's doing anything about it, there is a precedent to leave. Yes. Leaving is never our first option as Christians. We always should seek reconciliation. But while we're talking about reconciliation, we also want to be clear that if the other side is not willing to reconcile with you, and you have taken the steps needed. Free. Yeah. You don't have to be there and go, oh, well, I guess I'm just going to be in this situation forever. No. That, right. So so that doctrine of uh, church loyalty has been exaggerated. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how awful or horrible things that have been done. Uh, it doesn't matter. I, I, it, it's okay, really. It's not that big a deal. It's a me problem. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. Leave. Don't walk. You do not have to stay stuck in toxic situations. But often there are toxic situations that arise, and by you bringing it up, 
not only is that situation healed, it makes it better for everyone else around you. Yeah, and sometimes there might be other people that are in a similar situation that whether they are the wrong one or the one that did something wrong, somebody in that situation may be unwilling to make the first move. And if they're seeing others around them acting in reconciliation, going after somebody and being like, hey, I don't think you meant this as how I took it. However, this offended me because, and there's reconciliation there, that then becomes an environment where reconciliation is warranted and is encouraged. And again, like we talked about in the previous episode, it creates a culture that we're all holding each other accountable that, oh, I did something wrong. I need to reconcile this with you. And then snowball effect. Right. The rest of the body is now reconciling to each other. Yeah. Um, I'm going to use 19-year-old me as an example. He was a terrible person. I, I think I can say that. You probably knew him the best. I did. Yeah. I did. I... Uh, he was especially, I was especially, uh, manipulative. I loved getting my way, and I didn't mind hurting people on, <laughs> on the road to get it. Um, and I was blessed enough to have friends who call me on it. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not okay. That is inappropriate. You are hurting people. And the way you're going, they, they gave me examples of people who live terrible lives and hurt many people throughout their entire life. Lift horrible legacies and said, this is the road you're on, which was enough for my eyes to get really big and change a lot about myself through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, God was the key in, in, in each of these scenarios, enabling them to have the courage to just come and confront me to see what was actually wrong. Um, it was not a conversation I wanted, but I needed it desperately. Yeah. And I can, I can even say for my, my own personal past, um, I'm very good at separating emotions from logic, which in some situations, like if you're playing group games and there's like an imposter or, you know, you're trying to do a whodunit, it makes the game fun. But it also means that I'm very good at lying to people. And sometimes it scares me because there are times where even if I know it's in the game and I'm like, I could use this. And I'm like, no, no, stop, stop. This is not the person I want to be. <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's that accountability. And um, I mean, outside accountability, of course, that's the big issue. But really personal accountability, too. Of Yes, we should be holding others to the accountability of Scripture. But if we ourselves aren't in the Word and we don't actively train that spiritual muscle, if you want to call it that, then how are we going to be able to hold ourselves to that standard. First um, John 1 9 says that uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that first step is us confessing, yep. recognizing, nope, I sinned. I messed up. I went my own way instead of God's way. Lord, I did this. Please, I need you to clean me. This goes back to uh, uh, last episode's uh, listener comment, right? That lukewarm question. What yeah. is a lukewarm Christian? Someone who doesn't have dependence on God. When we recognize our dependence, when we ad- admit and, and recognize our dependence on God to clean us, we're going to be in a much better situation. Yeah, um, this is from this is from Luke chapter 17, touching again on this whole reconciliation and repentance. Uh, it says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. 
and if he repents, forgive him. That that's kind of laid out there pretty easily. But then the really convicting part comes up, and this is uh, this is going to be Luke 17. This will be verse four here. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times saying, "I repent," you must forgive him. Now, I want to make a disclaimer. Disclaimers are always good. If you are in a relationship where someone is literally doing this to you all day long, but then coming to you and repenting, and then they also add the caveat, and you have to forgive me, there's an ulterior motive there, and that should be... It is not repentance. That should be a different circumstance. That is not actual repentance. But if it is true repentance, then we do have to search ourselves and go, first of all, am I forgiving this person? And sometimes maybe even more importantly, am I capable of forgiving this person right now? And if not, why not? Because reconciliation is great when others forgive us, and it's really hard when we have to forgive other people. Though it should be said, reconciliation doesn't mean things go back to the way they were before. Yeah, it's great if they do, but that's not... But sometimes it needs to change. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's, I, I really do believe, uh, why God calls us to a ministry of reconciliation is because there's the opportunity to create a healthier environment than there was before. Yeah, and that, that should be the goal. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I think of, you know, pastors who have, uh, some who have been involved in, in, you know, personality scandals and things like that, took time away. They were held accountable by their churches. And they came back to a much healthier situation. Mm-hmm. That that does happen. Yeah. And that's one of the hard parts with reconciliation, especially from a leadership point of view. There's no specific Bible verse that we can go to that says, if you have unqualified yourself from leadership, you have to spend this much time away. You have to take these steps. So it is a case-by-case basis. But what we do know for sure is it's a very strange sign when somebody is outed as a senior pastor and a month later they have a new church, sometimes in a new state, sometimes in a different city, sometimes down the block, and they're doing the exact same thing. It's called a red flag is what that is. Yeah. Um, so that to say that this whole reconciliation thing is is not just about making things okay. It's about making things better. And sometimes reconciliation is not going to mean that you are in a full, regular uh, communication with this person. Sometimes reconciliation means distance. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes for an extended period. Sometimes these are hard enough situations that when you take the steps for reconciliation, you might even say to the brother or sister, I don't know a timeline here, but I personally need to do these things until I address this with you again. And that can be a very difficult and a hard situation. But again, I think the underlying principle here is honesty. Because if if someone comes up to you and you just feel pressure, like, oh, I have to forgive you, I forgive you, but nothing changed, that can actually serve to making problems worse. Because that person now thinks you guys are on good footing, that everything's cleared, and your relationship is, if not back to what it was, better than as it had been but if you don't have that same outlook we might be in a worse situation now absolutely absolutely 
Um, and, and I think this is where churches can really get hung up is not so much in the, oh, this needs to be reconciled, but the terrible communication when they attempt to reconcile. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. You go back to church and, and nothing's changed. And you're like, wait a second. I, I, we, we talked about this. I thought this was going to change. I thought this was going to happen. Uh, and suddenly no, no one's expectations are filled because you didn't have the right conversation. Just saying, Jeffrey, I forgive you. He doesn't know what I forgive him for. He doesn't know what he needs to change. He doesn't know. Now he hasn't on eggshells going, what, what did I do? He has to ask. The, I, again, this comes back to this being a two-way street. What is the what is one of the central themes to the Bible? Relationship. Yes. Good job, Jeffrey. You get, I don't actually have gold stars. I'll buy a gold star for you. I, I almost went to Sunday school and said, Jesus. Hope you guys heard my sigh right there. Um, Jeff is a youth pastor, so he gets that one word. Jesus. No comment. Um, <laughs> but but really, anyway, where were we? I'm sorry, I lost my place. <laughs> so here's a, this is another um, passage. I think. Yes, back to the Bible, please. <clears throat> I think this one can also be just a good thing to keep in our minds. Uh, this is from Philippians chapter two. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So. Those are some really great specific action steps. Very specific, which is great because I do much better with marching orders than broad strokes. And Paul here delivered. So thank you, Paul. I, I like to pretend I do better with vague instructions, <laughs> but that's because I can be lazier. Yep, that's absolutely. Procrastination is a wonderful thing. For yeah, we can talk about it later. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Procrastination okay. later, you guys? Okay, all right. So, Paul sets up here, uh, and again, this is a this is for Christians everywhere, but especially if we're looking at leadership and how to reconcile with our leaders. If we're holding others as more significant than ourselves and not acting out of our own interests, there's a lot less opportunity for us to need reconciliation if we're actually thinking about our brothers and sisters. And then continue on verse five. This is, this is pretty awesome because he goes on with the reasoning here. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So, reconciliation. This also pairs with uh, the verse from, the verses from 2 Corinthians we did earlier. If we're trying to reconcile with other people, we all know our own fallenness and the vast chasms of our own sin. We can assume that the person we're speaking with is at least half as bad if we want to be generous. But if we are only asked to forgive one another and to just be in fellowship, and it doesn't have to be the best buddy-buddy where we're spending all day with each other and we're sharing all the meals with each other and we do all that, but just that we can be together as the body of Christ. With, with a, a united goal. Right. And we think of that, and it is a 
very difficult thing for us to do and swallow our pride. But Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Right. So that phrase, uh, you know, a thing to be grasped, it, it's it's conveying this idea. He he didn't consider it robbery. He he gave it up. Mm-hmm. He gave up the power and privilege of being in that direct presence, not just direct presence, but being with him in essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even um, as verse 7 goes on, but emptied himself. This is not something someone else did to him or that God the Father goes, hey, I've got this great job for you to do. Here, go do it and push him out the window. No, Jesus took this upon himself to fulfill this role to reconcile his people to himself. And if we think about how vast that chasm is, we should at least be more willing to make an approach to be like, hey, I should probably seek at least clear communication with this person, at the very least. And and becoming of one accord, living peaceably together, having that same like-mindedness, that same goal of God's glory, sometimes that means we're not going to work together very closely. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we know we don't get along super great, but we have the same goal to glorify God. So we will work together when we can, and we will make sure that we have other people around us to help us not be uh, terrible towards each other. Yeah, and it may even be something as simple as we serve on different boards. Or, hey, this person is helping out with the missions committee, and that is awesome, but... Maybe for this season of life, I will not be a part of the missions committee. Because maybe God's going to change one or both of you, and later you can work with each other. But we also do have to do that self-reflection, that self-accountability of, is it best for me and this other person and our church and the work of the kingdom if I put myself in this situation where nothing's going to be done? You know, it's interesting, though. If you go back to your Ephesians passage, it talks about, um, esteeming others more than yourself. So for those people who I don't like, Jeffrey, um, I mean, wow, Jeffrey is good at leading worship. He, uh, the list ends there. <laughs> brought it up. This is bad. Uh-oh. He's a great Bible teacher. I don't always like the way he does it, but the kids understand, the kids learn, and I need to be able to just trust that the Lord is going to use Jeffrey because the same Holy Spirit that's in me is the same Holy Spirit that's in him. Now, this is a hypothetical scenario. I happen to like Jeffrey's teaching, but but for our little disclaimer here, right? Um, It's a time when, guess what? I don't know best. God Mm -hmm. does. God has placed us both here. There are no significant sin issues in our lives. You know, we are we're, we have that level of fellowship. We have that level of accountability, maybe not with each other, but within the same body of believers. So, okay, if the Lord has placed him here, then he must have a purpose for him. And God definitely uh, knows him. God knows him. He loves him. He died for him with the same love that he died for me. So maybe I should get off my high horse of opinions and let God be God and ask him to change my heart. Yeah, and I think this is also very important when we look at things. Um, like if if you have a friend, coworker, um, even somebody that you go to the same church with, 
and they have a, a popular pastor that they love and they always say oh i really liked how you brought up this point but have you heard so and so do this this is great it's a very natural thing for us to be like oh i don't like that guy he uses smart boards he uses this particular projection style but is that really what matters and like josh is saying we have to hold our leaders accountable, of course. So if there is a sin issue there, then that's a completely different topic. But if somebody doesn't meet our preferences, and this goes, as Josh mentioned, I lead the corporate singing portion of our services. Some people really enjoy songs written before 1960, and others really enjoy songs written after. We happen to have both camps under the same roof and only so many songs that we can sing in a service. And I also have my own preferences for one way or the other, but none of those are important. What are the words that we're singing? What is the worship we are corporately offering up to God? And more importantly, what is the work that he is doing through those songs in us that we can do the work of his kingdom? Our preferences can sometimes be very strong and we want to assert those on other people, but we have to be very careful that we're not just making our preferences the standard. Yeah. I'm, I don't really want to add to that. <laughs> I, you, you, you bake all the points. Um, so let's bring it back down to a, a personal level, right? Mm -hmm. God has, uh, Jesus has reconciled us to God. Yes. By his blood. Thank you, Jesus. We are able to reconcile to each other because we have the ultimate example. Yeah. Reconciliation does not mean things go exactly to the way they were. Yes, and I think that's a very important one to meditate on because it's so easy for us to want that back. Get those rose-colored lenses and say, I apologized. What's wrong? That person is a human. They might still be healing. They may honestly have forgiven you, but they may also still be healing. Exactly. Um, and it comes back down to we have the opportunity to be who God uses in our churches mm -hmm. to start the reconciliation process. It's something near and dear to God's heart, so let's uh, let's be active in it. When we are hurt, when we are frustrated, uh, let's go to each other. Let's let's do our part in this process of reconciliation, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Let's not just go to church. Let's be the church. Amen. Now, uh, a point we already mentioned before, and we're just going to say it again. You can run. If you're in a situation where you were being manipulated or abused uh, or people are saying they repent, but there is no action whatsoever, get out. Go. You are not obligated to stay there. Yes. And that's also very important with... Um, when we talk about unqualified leaders, the biblical mandates and rules for a leader are people, like we mentioned, coming into that role and then later disqualify themselves. Same thing with the church. If we just join a church and then later find out there's abuse, that's a much different situation than if we had taken our time, met with the leadership team, read their beliefs, their doctrines, talked to people and been like, oh, maybe this isn't a church I should join. We should always be using discernment using the knowledge and the wisdom that the Spirit has given us and is giving us. And we have to make the, 
the wise choices to go where he is leading us. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we're, we're on the foundation of God's word. Reconciliation is possible. I want to encourage you with that wherever you're at uh, in your in your journey with the Lord. Um, but after doesn't have to look like before. That said, Jeffrey, I have a question for you. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, sir. Fire away. Um, have you ever had a nickname? Uh-huh. And what was it? Well, I've had a couple. Um, my dad, still to this day, calls me Fief, which is short for Fief and Pepper. Um, oh, Fief? Cool, cool, Fefe. No, this this was way before okay. before Twitter was um, So he'll do that every once in a while. Currently, my most popular nickname is Buff because all of my nieces and nephews call me that. When one of my ne- nephews was two years old, he couldn't say the J, so it came out Buff. And then so Jeff. Yes. So then my siblings thought it was hilarious. So they started calling me Buff before they even have kids. Then they started having kids, and then they just introduced me as Buff. And now my mom calls me Buff. My siblings call me Buff. All of my nieces and nephews. Yeah. I will tell you guys that Jeffrey is not Buff. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Um, Jack would be a better nickname. No. Um, <laughs> it's all right. It's better than my nickname in middle school. Well, the people are still listening. Yeah. I have. I haven't started the outro music yet. Marshmallow. Ooh. Was it the slimy juice of the marshmallow? Yeah. The Jehovah's Witness translation. Did I not show you that? No. Oh, yeah. Job chapter 6, verse 4, slimy juice of the marshmallow, the Jehovah's Witness translation from 1984. It's fantastic. Become a Jehovah's Witness because of that. Anyway. It's my favorite cult translation. And (laughs) Then my other nicknames, uh, my street name is uh, Jay Tizzle. I did, yeah, I subscribed to that on SoundCloud. Okay. Uh, I do have a rap. I'll have to show you the rap video. Uh, If you guys want to see the rap video, too bad. Um, if you want to see the rap video, we'll start Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah, gonna need a lot of money. Uh, oh yeah, Sasquatch, Sasquatch. That was a common one. Good one. They yeah. they Sasquatch, not Bigfoot. Well, it was interchangeable. Oh. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah. I like it. Okay, so in future episodes, I think it's really important, and and I, if you listeners agree, I think I think we really need to bring some grilled cheese in and review different kinds of grilled cheese sandwiches. Perfect. I like Gruyere and Howda. Literally, just gonna do pepper jack and cheddar. That was good. I like um, saying Howda because I hail from Potentistan. Potentistan? Yes. Long line of ancestors came from there. Lord help me. Um, help me say something that I won't need to be reconciled. All right, guys. Uh, thanks again for listening. We really appreciate you. Uh, we pray that this is a blessing for you, and we will see you in two weeks. Or you know, you'll listen to us in two weeks. No, I'll see you then.
Do you work for Santa Claus? <laughs> I cannot divulge with whom I work. Mint has really gone off the rail, so we're just going to sign off. You'd be surprised how cheap ghillie suits are. Bye, guys. Talk to you later. <laughs>